Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, uh, where we grow, uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to try to serve our Lord. Um, again, on this podcast, we have a special guest, and uh, I'll let him say something in just a few minutes. Um, but just to give you uh, just where you can find the podcast again, you can find it and watch the video portion um, on YouTube. Uh, we love for you to sit there and watch that and subscribe there. And also, you can find the audio portion on Spotify or on the podcast app on your um, uh, on your phone or on your tablet. So we'd love for you to watch that as well. And it's anywhere else you can get your podcast as well. For you uh, Google users and Android users, you can find it uh, on Stitcher um, or also on iHeartRadio and anywhere else you can get your podcast. Uh, so again, like I mentioned before, we have another special guest on our podcast. He's, he's not new to the podcast. Uh, he's been here before. And so I'm glad that uh, Caleb Rutherford uh, from the Transform Podcast is joining us again today. What's up, everybody? Glad to be back. Jordan, thanks for the invite. I'm uh, looking forward to our study today. Yeah, this is good. We just talked about this a couple of days ago. It's going to be a good one, but I'm going to apologize <laughs> up front <laughs> be long. because it's going to be long. So if you stick with us, you're a real one. I appreciate it. That's right. That's right. But, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, Psalm chapter 23. And we're not going to study the entire psalm. That's the goal. But we just, we, we can't do it in one podcast. It's, yeah. it's impossible to get all this stuff out. But what we want to do is we want to break, you know, a couple verses down each time. And so what Caleb and I are going to try to do is going to break down kind of the first uh, one and a half, two, three verses today. And then we'll kind of have three parts. And so this will be a series. This will be kind of part one um, of Psalm uh, chapter 23. And so, again, when, when we think about Psalm 23, I think this is one of the most, if not the most popular psalm or popular verses in Scripture. You know, if you went to someone randomly on the street and said, what's, you know, what psalm do you know in the Bible? Mm-hmm. You know, anyone that has no Bible knowledge, anyone has heard of Psalm 23. That, that's right. how popular, um, of you know, that verse is. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, it's one of those psalms that, young children memorize it, you know, in, in Bible class or older people have it read to them, you know, while they're, you know, in nursing homes and different things like that. But everybody knows Psalm 23. You know, I've, heard, I've heard it called before the Pearl of the Psalms or the Psalm <laughs> of the Psalms. Um, and so it's one of the things that I think that um, it, it, it's so, it's so well known. And it's interesting too, you know, one of the things that I always carry with me um, in my, in my, in my coat pocket when I'm, when I'm preaching or when I'm going on campaigns or anything like that is a small New Testament. Um, it just has the New Testament in it. But interestingly enough, what is almost always attached to the back of the New Testament was the book of Psalms. And I yeah. think it's interesting, well, you know, why the book of Psalms? Why not the book of Judges? Or, you know, why not the book of Second Kings or Malachi or, you know, something else like that? Why the book of Psalms in particular? And I think it's interesting because when you go through the Psalms, if you have an opportunity to, to read the Psalms, and Jordan and I were privileged enough to be able to sit in classes that broke down Psalm after Psalm after Psalm, yeah. you see how much practical information and how many life lessons and how much encouragement there is in reading these Psalms and studying these things and how it can benefit your, you know, your Christian life if you apply these things to your lives. Yeah. And Kev, you, you know, you just answered my question I was going to ask you, but you know, again, you know, why do you think this is so popular? I think you mentioned it just because of how personal it is. Right. I mean, this yeah. book was written centuries ago, but it, it literally feels like it was written for us, like in this, in this age, that's how practical Psalms is and Proverbs as well. Exactly. And I think about well, Romans 15 verse four, whatsoever things are written aforetime time are written. Why? For our learning. So many people discredit the old Testament, but it's in the Bible because 
it's helpful for us. The Holy yeah. Spirit knew we would need these things for our lives. And you talk about this idea of it being personal. I think one of the most interesting things when you, when you look at Psalm 23 is the intimate language uh, that's used um, in the Psalm. And so one of the things that I like to do whenever I study it, and I tell people all the time to do this when I, if I'm teaching it in a class or whatever, um, in six verses, there's only six verses in the Psalm, 17 different times, depending on which translation uh, you read from, but 17 different times, a personal pronoun is used. So you look at like I and me and my. And so that oftentimes the psalm is, 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 is deemed as the he, me psalm. And so what I tend to do is uh, I tell my listeners to do this or whoever it is, as you read this psalm, every time you see a personal pronoun, try to replace your name with it and try to make it as intimate and as personal as you can. So if I were reading this, I would say the Lord is Caleb's shepherd. Caleb mm. shall not want. Or Jordan would say the Lord is Jordan shepherd. Jordan shall not want. And whatever your name is, replace it. And maybe it, it'll hit home a little bit deeper as we go through this study um, to just try to make it a little bit more, more intimate and replace your name with those personal pronouns. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing, guys, about, and this is why we always talk about when we study the scripture together, open it and look at it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Don't just, Absolutely. you know, listen to us, look through it. Because obviously, you know, Caleb and I, you know, we want to continue to build our relationship. Um, with God, but we're trying to help you build your relationship with him too. And so when we study this book or not just the Psalms, but any other book, open it up, look at it, read it over and over. Cause this wasn't just meant for us. Right. You know, it wasn't just meant for preachers. It was meant for everybody to grow and the Lord is my shepherd. So let's, let's get into, uh, into the first couple of verses here. So verse one reads in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, let's kind of break down that first little half there in verse one, Caleb. The Lord is my shepherd. Again, we're, we're bringing that personal, or David here, obviously being the writer, is bringing this personal uh, feeling to the psalm. And also, I want to mention this before we keep going. There's also a book that goes along with this psalm. Mm -hmm. um, the book is um, actually entitled A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And the great thing about this book is, the guy, he's actually an elder of the church, but he's also a physical, a physical shepherd. That's what he does as his job. And so he has his intimate uh, relationship with physical sheep. And then also he's a shepherd, but he also is a sheep as well. And so that kind of brings a different kind of, uh, I guess, flavor, you could say, to Psalm chapter 23. Mm -hmm. But here he mentions the Lord is my shepherd. Look how personal, like you just mentioned, Caleb. He said, he's my, you know, I think sometimes, um, obviously we, we love the Lord together. We worship him together. But I think the thing that we miss sometimes in our relationship with him is that, that, that one-on-one -on -one bond. Yes, he's our Lord, but he's mine. Like the Lord is my shepherd. Sure. And that makes you want to do whatever the Lord wants uh, out of you as well. Right. Yeah. That personal relationship with our Lord is so important. Um, and without it, when it's important to us, we're going to place it as a high priority in our lives. And I think it's interesting when you look at this, you know, you think about, you think about a shepherd and his sheep. Um, a shepherd is going to provide for his sheep. He's going to do things for the sheep to where the sheep can then say, this is my shepherd. And it's interesting because when you think about that, well, why would the shepherd care for a sheep? Well, hmm. you got to think back. The shepherd has to purchase the sheep in the first place. Right. So he has made some sort of payment on the sheep. I, I looked it up not long ago. To, um, I think stats say that today a flock of 30, um, 30 sheep or 30 lambs or whatever they're called 
Um, <laughs> they can cost anywhere between $187 to $235. So really not a whole lot of money in the grand scheme of things, but it's still something that the shepherd purchases with his own money um, yeah. because he purchases them with, with that money. Um, he's going to care for them as they're his own. Um, and I think when you talk about this idea of this personal this personal relationship and this idea that, that the shepherd or that rather that the sheep belong to the shepherd. Um, I go back, I think back to the old Testament and you think back how, whenever there was a slave um, that chose to serve a Hebrew family for the rest of his life, it wasn't that he had become enslaved. It wasn't that, you know, he's being forced into this, but he's willingly choosing to serve this family. Um, mm-hmm. A certain ritual would take place. And what would happen is um, the master of that house would take the servant and he would place his ear up to like a doorpost and then he would take what's called an awl or it's just like a small pointed tool and he would he would hammer a hole in the ear so he would basically pierce the ear of the slave when interestingly enough we get that song that we sing at a lot of youth gatherings and everything yeah. like that pierce my ear um and so it shows that um the shepherd or rather the, the slave has willingly chosen to serve that family and so the message behind that song um is that we as christians we're willingly pledging our lives in service to god it's not, we're not being forced to do it, rather it's something that we're consciously choosing to do mm. um, and that we're going to consciously choose to serve our master um, and that the life that we live is going to show, is going to show that. And so the relation to a shepherd and his sheep is that a shepherd, whenever he buys his sheep, he will do the exact same thing. He will make a small mark on the ear of his sheep so that if his sheep get lost or they run away or something happens, um, people find a sheep they always look for the ear and they see ah this this is the mark of this shepherd now interesting enough it relates to us again right as christians we bear the mark of christ don't we Mm. we bear the mark of christ in the way that we live um and it's so important for us to make sure that we live the right kind of life so that we can say yes i am bearing the mark of my shepherd because i belong to him yeah and i you know caleb you bring up that word choose i love that concept of choosing something Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, with that example from, and that's in Exodus chapter 21, if you want to look that up, of the, um, the kind of the process of what that slave would do. And when his time came, look, you could, you could stay or you could leave. Right. And I think just, you know, a slave has always had a, a low connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but to think about a slave loving that master so much, the work's not going to go away. Right. But he loves the master that much that I'm not doing this because you tell me to do it. Right. I'm doing this now because I want to do it because I care about who's leading me. Right. And that's the awesome thing about choosing. You know, we, we just talked about, you know, Joshua. You know, remember in Joshua 24 when he said, look, you need to choose you this day yeah. when you're going to serve me. And every day as sheep under the shepherd, we make a choice. Remember, the Bible says, look, you can't have two masters. Right. You got you to pick one. Right. And so choosing to love God is the most amazing form of love because he right. never wants his servants uh, to love him out of, out of fear. Now we, we should respect him, but not love him out of fear, you know, love him because I, you know, I genuinely want to serve you. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, you serve, you serve God because you love him. Right. And I think it's interesting um you talk about the, the work that the, that the slave still has to do, but he doesn't mind it. Why? Because he loves the family, the, the master. Um, and I, it, may, it reminds me of whenever Jacob was getting ready to, he had to work for Laban, right? To, for uh, seven yeah. years to get, to get, uh, to get Rachel, <laughs> but he ended up getting Leah. Then he, he got to work another seven years um, 
to, to get Rachel, the one he wanted in the first place. But it's interesting when you go back to that passage, the Bible says that he had to work seven years, but they seemed as what? Just a few just days. Just a few days. Because of the love that he had for her. And so it just shows if you have the right attitude and the right mindset, it won't be a drudgery to serve the Lord. It's something yeah. that we enjoy mm. doing. Man, I didn't even think about it. And people say the Bible doesn't have everything. You want you want right. some feels? <laughs> right. That, that'll get you in it right there. There you go. But, you know, you think about this concept of doing something because you love them. I, you know, remember when we were kids, when our parents would tell us, you know, Jordan, go take out the trash or go yeah. do this chore, go do this. We did it because obviously, number one, they said it. <laughs> then number <laughs> yeah. two, we did it because we didn't want to get in trouble because exactly. we knew if we didn't do it, we would get in trouble. But, you know, as the you fear. grow old, yeah, the fear. And so we were motivated by fear, but as you grow older and as you see kind of your parents' health and all that decline, then you start to do those things, not because they tell you to, you start doing random things for them because your relationship and your love and your respect towards them changes right. because now the responsibilities that they had when you were younger, you grow up and you see, man, now I understand why mom and dad were this way because those responsibilities are on me now. Right. And so it's that same kind of relationship with the Lord. You know, we're not doing anything because he's forcing us to, I want to serve him because I just love him, you know? Right. And I, I don't know about you, Caleb, but you know, working in the secular world, coming out of school and then coming here now where I'm working now, it has, it's given me a whole new appreciation of what work really is. The stuff that we do, obviously it's hard work, but for me, it's not work. Like I love to do this stuff. Right. And so I think sometimes um, we need to understand Look, true love is actually choosing to serve the Lord. And that's what David's saying here in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to serve him no matter what. Right. And I, well, I think back to Deuteronomy chapter six um, and for, for our listeners, I'm not like just trying to look away from Jordan. I've got some other notes on this other side. <laughs> you just can't see it. Um, <laughs> but I think back to Deuteronomy chapter six and the Jews were notorious for quoting this to their children and teaching it to their children who would then in turn, when they grew up, teach it to their children, it would continue to pass on and on and on. Um, but it starts, it starts with this, with this resolve. Am I going to make this choice or not? On um, the Bible says here, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Um, and so it shows us we need to make a choice in this life of who's going to receive our energy mm. and our effort and our time and all of those kinds of things uh, in this life. It's not enough to just say, oh, I, I love you, God. Oh, oh I, I, you know, you, you're number one in my life. It's not enough just to say it, but we have to actually show it in our actions. You know, the old, the old phrase, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of our instructors used to say this, Jordan, you probably remember this too. He would always say that as a young child, he had a drug problem, right? He was drugged to Bible class and drugged to worship, <laughs> and drugged to yeah. this youth event and drugged to that event and all those kinds of things like that. <laughs> well, Joshua is telling the people, if you look back to Joshua 24, he's saying, you've got to make a choice. It's a choice that you must be willing to, willing to make and that you're going to consciously choose to make. And so I think it's interesting to point that out that, yeah, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. It's my shepherd. And I'm choosing that that's the way it's going to be um, because the Lord has done everything for us, but we still have to do our part and say that, yes, he reigns in my life. Yeah. And just to kind of put some closing thoughts on that, I think um, true love comes from choosing something. And, and I don't think a real relationship really starts unless each party chooses to love one another. Obviously, the Lord has obviously done his part. You know, John three sixteen. you know, we can break that down for 
days, <laughs> right? But it's for God so loved the world that he gave. You know, we can talk about that part forever, but he already did his part. He gave, Christ gave. Now we have a choice because of the things that Christ and God gave, are we willing to give to? And if right. we're not, then the relationship is not, it's not working. It can't be one-sided. Right. And so that's what David is mentioning here. Look, I understand this and I understand that the Lord is mine and I'm going to serve him. So that's, that's perfect for what we're talking about here. And so the second part, so we talk about the Lord is my shepherd. Then he mentions, I shall not want. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was confused because I was like, this doesn't make sense. I was like, why would yeah. he say, first of all, I, I, I get this. The Lord is my shepherd. I get it. But then why did he say he doesn't want him though? Like, it, <laughs> like I, I was lost. But, you know, that phrase doesn't mean I don't want you. You know, when it says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That phrase in Psalm 23 literally means I will not lack care. And so why I won't lack care because the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, no, um, and I think it's interesting. <laughs> if, if you preach on that, you know, I shall not want on Sunday morning. And then a brother gets up and leads a closing prayer. And he says, you know. I want the biggest car and the, <laughs> the biggest house and million dollars. You know, if he gets home, is that going to happen? Obviously not. Um, but like you said, it just means that God's going to take care of us. Um, and so whatever situation you get yourself in, um, you know, God's going to be there to help you out and to strengthen you. Um, and it just shows us that the sheep are not going to ever be, um, they're not going to ever lack anything that the shepherd knows that they need. They may lack things that they want, yeah. You know, but they won't lack the things um, that they need. Yeah. And it hit, in the book, you know, I'm going to read a little excerpt here from, from the book here. But this is what Philip Keller mentions about um, I shall not want or I shall not lack. He says simply this phrase means I am completely satisfied with his management of my life. Now, that's that's a very beautiful phrase when you read it, but that's very hard to live. Oh, yeah. Because, man, you think about. Dude, you know, you think about Job, you think about Joseph, you think about Christ himself. All those men went through different things in their life, which none of them deserved. But at the same time, I always wonder, how did Job get through that? How did Joseph get through it? How did, how did Christ get through that? How did, they, how did they do that? You know, their faith wasn't, you know, superhuman. I just don't understand but the biggest thing is this helps to bring to light that they understood that no matter where the Lord has me, I'm satisfied because I know he's going to take care of me. And that's yeah. a very tough, the tough lesson for us to learn sometimes. Yeah. And I think it has to do with this idea of trust and reliance. You know, we are going to trust in God and rely on him knowing that he's going to take care of us, even though there's going to be situations that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what the outcome will be. I, you know, I think about Abraham. What did God tell Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? Go. He said, go. He said, Man. leave. You don't know where you're going, but just pack up and go. He had no idea what was going on. But what did he do? He went. Left. He was satisfied with the things that he was going to have because he knew that God was the one who was going to watch over him and take care of him. And so I think that's a huge lesson for us to learn, especially in this life. We are so – and our, our culture, our society has formed us into, be, into being these people who are just so wrapped 
stuff and having everything that I want and I need right now when I want it, you know? Yeah. And we completely have put off this idea of, of relying on God and, you know, not having any patience, just instant gratification, you know, I want yeah. this when I want it and it's right now. And so I think it's a huge lesson for us, for us to know that, you know, trust in God and it'll be in his timing. I think, think I think this idea, the idea of God's timing is so hard because we yeah. always think that we need it in our timing, you know, but oftentimes our timing is not the right timing and it's not what we need. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that, you know, you mentioned Abraham, he fell into that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Him, I at the time felt right. look God promised me all this stuff but then nothing's happening year after yeah. year and that's what that's what's so hard with <clears throat> focusing on the Lord's management for your life is when you have desires when you have wants when you have needs and then those needs aren't met when you feel they should be met and then you go on and do your own thing right and so you know and that's it's so hard to wait on the Lord. And that's a whole nother lesson for another day. But just knowing that the Lord is going to take care of you, even though you don't know where he's leading you. I mean, think about, I brought up Joseph before, you know, Joseph, his, his, his brothers hated him. He was thrown in the pit. You know, then he was accused of doing something sexually he didn't do. Then he's in prison for two years. But then, you know, if he didn't go through one of those things, he wouldn't be second in command in Egypt. So, you know, the Lord was leading him through each instance in order for him to be where the Lord wanted him to be. Sure. And so I think that gives us comfort when we're put in situations where, man, does the Lord even care? Does he understand? I'm trying to take you somewhere, but in order to take you somewhere, you gotta, you gotta trust me. Right. And I think about, you know, when you look at people today who have all these nice things and you think that they look great and successful on the outside, um, it doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. it matters on how successful you are on the inside and how you know spiritually strong you are, how spiritually wealthy and spiritually rich you are. And those, those are the things that matter. And you'll have those things if you trust in God and allow him to lead your life um, instead of trying to run ahead and do all these things on your own. And the last thing I want to mention about that, Caleb, too, is you, you remember in First Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse number 6, short verse, um, but we're talking about kind of being content with the Lord's management with our life. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, Paul told Timothy, but godliness with contentment mm-hmm. is great gain. Right. And so, you know, who else better to say that than Paul? You know, he was, I mean, you can look at Romans, you can look at that list of all the things that happened to him. But then he said, I was still content. I was still okay. Right. And he, he even said, he even mentioned, you know, I've learned in whatever state that I'm in to be content. Right. Right. Yeah, that idea of contentment is something that is just lost on our yeah. world today. Um, and so, yeah, I think Paul's a great example. Um, he had, he, he knew whatever's going on, he could trust in God. And that's where you hit Philippians 4 and verse 13. So many people pull mm. that out of context. Yeah. And they say, oh, I'm going to say this before I go play a basketball game. I'm going to say this before I go try to ace my test. God doesn't care about your game or your test. That's not why, that's not why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write that. He wrote that because of the things that Paul was going through. If you go back to verses 11, uh, verses 10 and 11, he talks about exactly that, you know, he was going to be content in all the situations in life. It didn't matter what he had to eat or what he had to wear, but that he could do whatever he needed to do because God was with him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through whatever situation I'm in, um, regardless of the things that I have in this life, because I know God's watching over me and that I'm allowing him to lead my life. Yeah. And, and I want to mention this too, Caleb. Now, here's the flip side. If we're not content, 
then that's where some problems start to happen. And so in the book, um, he mentions this, and this is, this is a great example, but he says, uh, it's a long story. So I'll kind of condense in here, but he said, even in spite of knowing that the Lord is always there, you know, Psalm 121, three, you know, he who watches over you will not slumber. Mm -hmm. And I think, first of all, we don't give the Lord enough credit for being the good shepherd, you know, John 10, 11, sure. that he never stops looking at us. Right. He doesn't sleep. Right. You know? And so he's always there watching. But then he says, in spite of you even knowing this, that he's always there, everything's under his control. Sometimes as Christians, we're still not content. We're still not happy. And that's, that shows the kind of the, the greedy, like you mentioned, the greedy self uh, things that we feel today. And here's the example he used. He said once he had, a, he had a, a perfect ewe lamb and that lamb was beautiful. It was attractive. It was the best lamb that he had. But he said the one thing that that lamb was not, he said the lamb was never satisfied. The pastures were green. She didn't like it. The water was still. She didn't like it. Everything that, that he provided for her, the, the lamb hated it. And so the lamb started going out of the fence then started leading other lambs over to the fence then started eating brown grass, started eating, drinking dirty water. And then the shepherd, you know, Philip mentions, he said, this caused so many problems that I had to take that lamb and I had to kill the lamb in order to protect everybody else. Sure. And so I'm reminded of, uh, you remember Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter, um, I believe it's Matthew chapter seven. You know, here's the thing about the, the good shepherd, Caleb, I think sometimes uh, you remember that one of the instructors at the school said, sometimes we look at Jesus uh, and the shepherd as this cute baby in the manger, but then we don't recognize him as a lion of Judah. That that little baby grew up. Right. You know, the thing about the shepherd is sometimes we think, well, the shepherd's always so nice and always so kind and which Mm -hmm. he is, but also there's a side of discipline to be a shepherd. Right. And so here, you know, remember in Matthew chapter seven, um, I believe starting in verse uh, number 17, the Bible mentions, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and thrown into the fire. And so do you think, you know, do you think the shepherd wanted to get rid of that sheep just for the fact, oh, I'm just going to get rid of them? You know, he did it for a purpose. And, you know, we mentioned this before in a previous podcast, this is why um, being an elder is so serious because when we talk about church discipline, that's why that's in the Bible, right? It's not to ostracize brethren. It's not to hate brethren. It's not to avoid them. It's to get them to miss being a part of the body. And that's what, a, that's what a physical, and I made this connection in class, Caleb, Psalm 23, an elder should read this every day sure. because what was David's profession? He was a shepherd. Who is Jesus Christ? The chief shepherd. Mm -hmm. And if you are an elder, guess who you are? Shepherd. So it's literally when you read, if you're an elder and you read Psalm 23, it's like you sitting in a room with a bunch of shepherds. Right. And then you're leading the flock just as, man, it's just a beautiful thing to imagine that, yes, you have to guide them, but in guiding them somewhere, you may have to discipline as well. Sure. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. It's so important um, to take the, the, the office of an elder, you know, as seriously as you can, because if you think about it, you're now responsible for leading a flock, 
And yeah. you're going to have to answer to God for that one day. And so it, it's, it's, it's extremely important. But I, I, I thought about um, Romans 11, 22, therefore consider the goodness and what? The mm-hmm. severity of God. Severity. So there's, there's a good and a bad, not bad side, but there's a good side and a, a, you know, terrible in the sense that it's like you're fearful of the, of the, the wrath of God. And you're right. People talk about, oh, I just want to talk about the grace and the love and the goodness and the mm-hmm. joy of God. Well, that's fine. But you've also got to look at the other side of the coin. Yeah. Um, because God most certainly um, will bring wrath down upon you if you're not living the right kind of life. And you'll end up, you know, paying the consequences for it um, spiritually, uh, especially if you don't get your life right. Then obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to spend your eternity with God. Um, and so it's so important and so serious for us. I think people don't don't mm. give it enough serious thought. It's just another one of those things where, yeah, it'll be okay. You know, one day it'll be fine, but it won't be, you know, there's so yeah. many seriously. And I'm, I'm reminded, you remember when we were kids and sometimes your parents say, you know, I'm going to go to the store for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I want you to stay here and clean the house. Cool. So to leave the house, what do we not do? <laughs> we don't clean. We watch TV. Right. We go exactly. and play ball. They're gone for 30 minutes. I can play for 20, come back for 10 and clean. <laughs> clean we're good. Yeah, We're yep. good. But then they end up coming back five minutes later. Oh, wait, I forgot this. <laughs> yeah. How come you're not cleaning? Uh, yeah. Then it's over. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing about being an elder in the church is that the way that you discipline or don't discipline people and people, um, your best friends are included in that. The members are included in that. The preacher's included in that. See, sometimes the preacher, we're under the eldership too. And so they can discipline us if, if need be. Right. And so the thing about the eldership is it's not about, you know, position. It's not about, you know, image. It's about, look, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do because I don't answer to the brethren. One day the chief shepherd is going to look at me and put the name of your congregation there. Why did you let this happen? Mm-hmm. Or if this happened, why didn't you do anything? Right. Or if this happened, why did you do this? You hurt my flock. That's, and that's why, you know, when the, um, I believe it's in, what is it? Is it Timothy where he mentions the, uh, the qualifications for elders? Yeah. First Timothy, I think chapter three. I think chapter three. Yeah. One of the qualifications is that man has to desire the work. Mm-hmm. And so that goes to the concept of choosing to do that work because that's a, that's a tough, tough work to be in. But I think it, it's one of the most rewarding works. Uh, for a man to be in. And so the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, verse one, I'm not going to lack anything. So I have to be completely satisfied um, with the management uh, of his, of my life in his hands. Right. So so then kind of the first part of verse two, Caleb, I know you have something on this as well. You know, he maketh me to lie down um, in green pastures. And I know you you have this list here, so I'm going to let you rattle this off. There's a couple of reasons why sheep, physical sheep don't lie down. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you if you go through that book, um, Mr. Keller talks about how. Um, by the way, that passage was for, it's First Timothy three and also Titus chapter two. Yes, qualifications of elders. Um, but um, you talk about this idea of of the green pastures. I think that we think um, when we think I I think about a, like a desert. When I think about a Bible land, it's very dry, dusty, all the you know tumbleweeds blowing around, something like that. I'm sure that's not necessarily the case <laughs> in all the places, but. Um, a herd of shepherd needs, they need the green grass. They need it in order to survive. And it's interesting because Mr. Keller points out that sheep will not lie down. They will not be restful unless four different requirements are met. And we're going to go through these. Um, the first one is this. Sheep will not lie down if they're not 
free from all fear. They have to be free from fear if they're going to lie down and actually rest. Um, he would talk about in his book, he talks about how sheep are extremely timid an animals. Um, that even like small creatures like rice or rice, mice or rabbits, that's, they put them together and call them rice. Mice or rabbits, they can startle them. They, they, can, they can scare them. Um, and so different, just small things like that can startle them. And then when one becomes startled, he startles the rest of the flock and they all begin to run. But then nobody, and then none of them end up knowing why they're running or from what they're running or even to where they're running. They're just running just because somebody else was running. Um, and so the only thing that's going to keep them calm at night is when the shepherd is in their eyesight. Mm. Okay. Now compare this to us as Christians. Okay. We can't be living the right kind of life. We can't have the spiritual um, rest that we need unless our eyes are on the shepherd, mm. unless we know that we're looking at God and that we know that God is looking over us and taking care of us. Um, you know, we live, I think we live in a time of uncertainty. In other words, we don't know what's going to happen every single day, every single day. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to, to Sunday, we talk about Kobe and Gianna and the seven other passengers on that helicopter. They didn't know what was going to happen that day when they got onto that helicopter. Um, but what a blessing it is for us to know Proverbs 15 and verse three, that over all the waves and the seasons of life, Mm. Our shepherd's watching over us and he's taking care of us. Um, but to also know if we want that spiritual rest that the sheep have as well, we need to keep our vision and our eyes focused on our shepherd. All right. So, man, <laughs> you see why, guys? This is so, like, why the Bible is so rich because it brings up so many things. So, yeah. okay. So, you bring up, you know, they won't lie down unless, you know, they're scared so they won't lie down. Right. But, you know, I'm reminded of Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You know, we don't have to be afraid to lie down because for God has not given us the, us the spirit of what? Of fear. So if yeah. he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, in every instance, we can lie down because he has given us the spirit of power, of love, and then also of a sound mind. Right. And so then this brings up another verse in, in Psalm chapter 4. Verse number eight, David writes this as well, but he says, I will both lay me down in peace and I can sleep. Why? For thou, Lord, makes me dwell in safety. Man, and that just goes along exactly what you just talked about, man, is the Lord cares about us so much. And he knows that. He knows what type of people we are. Right. So he puts us in an environment and he gives us the spirit of, of a sound mind that if you lay down and you trust me, it'll be, it'll be okay. And that's yeah. one of the most amazing things to me, man. Absolutely. Back to verse eight, where he talks about, he, you know, the, he will lay me down in peace and sleep yeah. for thou Lord only makes me to dwell in safety. That goes along with exactly what you talked about, that the Lord can let us lie down because he has put us in an, in an environment uh, of peace. So we don't have to have a spirit of fear. Exactly. Exactly. And so I know that's the first reason. So the second one again is. All right. Um, all right, number two, um, sheep will not lie down. They won't be at rest. They won't be at peace unless they're free from all friction. Um, and it's interesting because you, when you think about, you think about animals, there's always like an order of dominance among animals. Yeah. And the same thing is with the same thing is among sheep too. Mr. Keller, he talked about how within the flocks of sheep, um, there's always like one dominant sheep. There's one person, there's one sheep that kind of, in a sense, it's kind of like the boss and the bully of all the other sheep. Um, and so it's kind of funny, but the flock, um, if the flock, the flock can become restless whenever that sheep begins to act out and kind of get out of line. 
um, which then leads the sheep to a lack of sleep, a lack of eating, which in turn leads to a flock that's not very healthy or a very happy flock of sheep. Um, and so whenever, that, but whenever the shepherd's in their midst, it's like they immediately forget everything that's going on. They immediately forget all the problems that they have, um, all of the, all the issues that they're having with one another in a sense. And so I, I think about, um, and you, t- we touched on this all earlier. I think about what Paul said in Philippians four and verse 12, I know how to be a base and how to abound everywhere. And all things I've learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew exactly what it, what it meant to be content in whatever state he was in. It didn't matter, you know, what his social status was. It didn't matter, um, how popular he was or all the things that he had in this life. Um, and that's why he was able to say, like you mentioned, or we mentioned earlier, Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and so he wrote, he wrote that verse, obviously, because of the things that he had been through in verse 12. He's talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten, stoned, all those kinds of things. But he could do what he needed to do because of Jesus Christ. And so we need to make sure um, that when we, we look at other people that, yes, there are issues and things that go on between one another, uh, but to ultimately we need to keep our vision on the Lord. And I think you're going to see a pattern as we go through these with this idea of keeping the Lord in our eyesight um, and how, when we do that, it will be able to keep ourselves from that friction with one another. And, you know, I'm reminded um, in Ezekiel, I, didn't, I don't know this was here until I read it the other day, bro. Um, in Ezekiel 34, mm-hmm. um, it talks about, you know, the, the shepherds, and, you know, kind of the little title above, you know, the, the chapter. It talks about reproof of the shepherds of Israel. Sure. And then if you look in verse number 16 of chapter 34 um, of Ezekiel, he mentions this. I actually start in verse 15. He says, I will feed my flock. <laughs> exactly what we talked about before. He said, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, said the Lord God. Then verse 16, he says, I will seek them which was lost and bring them which was driven away. I will buy them that which is broken. I will strengthen them that was sick. And then the last part is interesting. I will also destroy the fat and the strong. And so this mentions among you, there's going to be people that think they're just like that, that, that big sheep. Right. I'm fat. I'm strong. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that when they're really not. And so this is why David in Psalm 37 says, don't fret because of those people. Mm-hmm. Let the Lord take care of them. And you keep doing good. You keep doing everything. You keep doing what you're supposed to do because the Lord's going to take care of them anyway. Right. Well, I think about um, what Jesus said in Luke 14. Um, you talk about when he was talking about the wedding feast and how there were some of the people who came in and what they do. They immediately went to like the front seat, right? The prime <laughs> seat in front of everybody. Um, but what happened? They got moved down to the lowest seat. So the point that Jesus was making there, he says, you know, be humble. Don't be someone who's like trying to get ahead of the crowd. Don't be someone who's trying to get your name known above everybody, above everybody else. Um, and I think about when all the eyes of the sheep were on their shepherd, they didn't care. Yeah. They didn't care who was around them. They didn't care what was going on. And same with us. When we focus our eyes on Jesus, it doesn't matter who knows us. It doesn't matter what our name is. It doesn't matter what's going on. Yeah. All that matters is if, is that we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that's, that's a good point. And so um, you've got the number one, you got free from all fear. Then you right. got two free from friction. And then the third one is? Number three is free from all pests. Um, now, I, I say this. I said my mom would probably say she's free from all pests since I graduated high school um, and left the house. <laughs> um, but 
you know, whenever I mean, you look at a flock, obviously they're animals. And you, I think about, you know, you look at horses and cows, things like that. You always, when you go and like, you go to stables, whatever, there's always like flies around them, right? Always oh. all the kind of bugs and things going around. Um, and when the sheep have all kinds of, um, all kinds of insects and bugs and stuff flying all around them, um, it can be harmful to them. And it's almost impossible for them to rest or to eat or to be at peace at all. But when the shepherd is there to take care of them and to help them, they're able to be at peace and rest. And so as Christians, you know, oftentimes there are things that are happening that we don't like. There's a lot of circumstances going on that we're like, why is this happening to me? Things that we just wish we could change, but that we can't. It seems unfortunate. It seems unfair. Why are all these difficult things happening to me? Why am I going through all these hardships? But it will help ourselves when, again, when we focus on the shepherd. Um, And sometimes I think we allow ourselves to be so consumed with our problems that they begin to overtake our lives. And that's the only thing we focus on is we focus on all the issues and the problems of life when instead we need to be focusing on our shepherd um, because when we go to him for help, we know that he's going to be there to help us. And so that's something that we need to keep in mind. When we talk about this idea of free from all pests, we will be free from all the things of life. Um, Not free from in the sense that it won't happen to us, but we'll be able to better get through those things when we focus on our shepherd. And so, and I read also in that book where he talks about, you know, the flies and the pests, that there's a certain type of ointment that he would spray on the, on the sheep. Now, it, you know, if you don't spray that ointment, then, you know, remember that scene in Lion King with yeah. the, with the stampede, he said, that's, what's going to happen. It's, right. They're going to start going crazy. Right. And so I'm reminded in the book of Psalms, you know, the Bible always talks about ointment too. Uh-huh. You know, it talks about, you know, you anoint me with oil, you do this, right. you do this. Right. And oil was always a sign of, you know, of cleansing mm-hmm. or of anointing somebody to a position. Right. So here, you know, like in Psalm 45, seven, you know, he mentions that you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God um, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness for thy fellows. And so obviously that oil that's anointed um, allows us to be free from wickedness, to be free from those pests, to be free from all those other things. So all this stuff, as you guys are listening, you can see how all of it physically and all of it spiritually kind of comes together like a big puzzle and it all starting to work together. Right. And I think you can see kind of the, the common denominator is that we won't have like all these things. It'll be easy to get through all these things when we focus our eyes on the shepherd and the same things with the sheep, they could get through all these different issues if they knew that their shepherd was in their midst. The last one is, is this idea of being free from all hunger, um, free from, from, from not always wanting food. And, you know, <laughs> Like we said a moment ago, you know, many of the countries in which the sheep lived um, is very dry, very waterless, um, not a lot of food. Um, and so in green pastures, they don't just they don't just come by chance for, yeah. for the sheep. The shepherd has to has to put in work into preparing those those things for his flocks to ensure that they don't they don't go hungry. And so likewise, we need to f- make sure we feed on the word of God. You know, we hunger, and we thirst after righteousness, Matthew chapter five and verse six. And so we have to be diving into the Bible and diving into the word of God to glean all that we can uh, from it. And it's, again, it's amazing to see how the shepherd plays a significant role in all four of these areas, how the sheep's well-being really depends upon the diligence of the shepherd. Um, and if the sheep have that loving and that diligent shepherd, they will be able to, like we talked about, lie down in green pastures. We won't have to fear anything. And we can comfortably know that, our Lord is watching over us. Our shepherd is going to take care of us if we surrender ourselves over to him and we keep our eyes focused on him.
Yeah, and I find it interesting when it talks about free from all hunger. You remember when uh, the children of Israel left um, Egypt mm-hmm. and then the land of Canaan was always mentioned to be filled with milk and honey. Right. And so he has this, he's always had this concept of when you go where I want you to go, when you lie down, when you're all this stuff that we just mentioned, all that's taken care of. He said, then don't worry about food either. Cause that yeah. land is full of milk and honey. Right. And so he always, it always, um, he kind of always satisfied every single need. You know, there was not an excuse that the Lord couldn't solve. And so that's exactly, uh, you know, what you mentioned here. Well, then even, so, well, even, know, when you know, was, even on like, when you talk about the land flowing and milk and honey, that was, that was their end goal. But even think about the journey to get there. What did he do? He provided for them what they needed, the man, yeah. quail and things like that. And so, you know, our obviously our end goal is to get to heaven but he helps us along the way he gives us those things that we need in order to make sure uh that we're going to survive and get there but we just have to know hey trust in god and he's gonna he's, he's gonna make sure you're taken care of yeah an interesting story remember about that manna he said they were only allotted a certain amount though right remember that he said right. and if you take too much then it'll start to rot that would be me. I would make all the. I would make all the. That would be so <laughs> bad. Right? That would be terrible. Can you imagine, like, if you got your allotted amount of mana, and then I looked over at your tent? I'm like, bro, Caleb's <laughs> mana went bad today. He, yeah. he took too much. But that, that that. But think about why the Lord did that, though. He did yeah. it so there wouldn't be fighting right. among the people, and that's right. exactly what we're talking about. To see, it all comes yeah. full circle. All goes together. <laughs> but so here's the last part of verse uh, verse two. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And so the only thing that I have mentioned, I know you have something else too here, Caleb, but I'm reminded of Psalm 4610, talking about that word still. Um, Mm. David mentions, you know, you need to be still and know that I am God. And so sometimes I think, you know, when those problems and all those things arise in our lives, to sit back and to sit down and understand and be still. And that's kind of the ironic part about being still. It's very hard to be still. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, you know, we're both, we both work with youth and I know we've seen, you know, after service or while the kids are outside ripping and running, yelling, doing all this stuff. And then without fail, you got their parents sit down for a second. Yeah. So they sit down, they'll sit down, but guess what they're not doing? They're, all moving they're, they're not being still. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's tough for kids to sit down and be still. And, and sometimes we can relate to that too, when things are going on. And the Lord's telling, look, I got it, but you need to sit down. And sometimes we'll sit down, but then we're still looking around. Lord, are you sure? You got it? You got it? Yeah. You got it? <laughs> you know, over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, it goes back to that idea of reliance and trusting God, knowing that he's going to take care of the situation and you've just got to be patient. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, again, it goes back to Abraham. Remember, <laughs> he, he thought he could run ahead and do all the things he could, he wanted to do and he would make it all, it would all happen. But obviously it didn't. He created issues and problems. And so. I love that verse in Psalm in that Psalm that you mentioned. Um, Psalm what was it? 46? 46. Yeah, 46.10. Um, talk about the idea of, of be still and know that I am God. So number one, you've got to be still. You, there's an action on your part. You've got to know um, to just just sit. Yeah. Just allow God to, you know to work in your life. But then number two, to know that He's God. Know that He's He's He can do whatever He wants to do. He's the God of the universe. He created everything that we know and have. And so trusting Him, number one. Um, that he'll take care of the situation, but the number two, he, he, he can take care of the situation that he'll, he'll do whatever he needs to do, um, because he's God. And, you know, that's just who he is. That's the power that he possesses. Man. And that's the, the beautiful thing that, and he leads me to those still waters. 
you know, I think the, the book mentions that the sheep won't drink the water unless it really is still. Mm. And so the Lord does that for us. He leads us to those waters to where it can nourish us and it can help us to, to keep growing. And so here's the last part we wanted to mention. And I know you have more on this, Caleb. I'm actually yeah. teaching this at the School of Preaching, so I stopped okay. the first two <laughs> verses. So I'm going to be studying you. verse 3 and 4 the rest of this week. But again, the first part, I guess, 3A of yeah. Psalm 23 is he restores my soul. Yeah, and you know, when you study this psalm, we've got to keep in mind who the one, who, who's the one that's talking here. It's, it's the sheep, it's not the shepherd, okay? And so we know that, obviously, David is the one that's writing and, you know, I think you might assume that when a, a, shep, a sheep is in the care of the shepherd, that they would never get to the point to where that they need to be restored. But obviously, you know, that's not the case. David knew exactly what it meant um, to feel cast down, to feel dejected. And he knew trials. He knew hardships. He knew temptations. And it's interesting. He talks about this in his book, um, that cast down sheep. It's an older English term, and it refers to a sheep that has rolled over on its back. And when a sheep has rolled over on its back, it, it can't get up. Like, I guess the anatomy of the sheep, it won't allow it to roll itself back over. It has to have help to get back up. And Keller, I'll read you a quote out of his book. He says this. He says, a cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away frantically, struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleat a little for help. But generally, it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. And if you continue to read on in that book, um, it talks about how if the, sheep, or if, if the shepherd does not arrive on the scene within a couple of minutes, um, the sheep will die. And he, he, goes into, he goes into detail about it and talks about how the, the fumes and the gases, I guess, start to build in his brain. Um, and, and it kills it. It kills the sheep within minutes. Um, and so you can see a cast down sheep is defenseless. And then also think about this. Other animals know that, too. And so the sheep is defenseless from not only the things that are going on within it, but also from the outside threats and the outside threats know that. And so it's scary for the shepherd because he loves the sheep. He, he cares for the sheep. Um, and so um, obviously he's going to be there. He's going to try to restore the sheep to its normal state. Um, and so I think it's interesting. I think this is kind of an interesting part about how you can fight the idea of Calvinism too. the once saved, always saved. Most people think that, you know, um, when you, when you're a child of God, you're saved by grace and then you're good, you know, for the rest of your life, you can do whatever you want. But right here, it shows us that he restores my soul. Well, why would you need your soul restored mm. if you hadn't gotten to that place, you know, gotten to that point in the first place? Yeah. Obviously something's gone on to where that's, it's gotten you out of a, out of a place to where your soul needed to be. And so your soul's having to be restored. And so I think it shows us there. Um, you certainly can fall from grace. You certainly can make mistakes and you can sin, Romans 3, 23. Um, and so I, there's so many ways you can go with that and talking about the idea of Calvinism. Um, <clears throat> but I think it does show us that if we confess our sins, First John 1 and verse 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And first of all, if you guys are watching the video and seeing me writing, I'm writing all this <laughs> stuff so I can teach it in class. So Caleb's giving me all my notes for next week. But, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, um, of Luke 15, and that kind of explains, um, Caleb, of why the father was so happy when the prodigal came back, yeah. because that prodigal was on his back, you know, like the sheep, and, you know, that's why he implored his, his sure. you know, that's why he implored um, the older brother, look, you know, you need to stop thinking about yourself, you know, obviously, yeah. you've stood up upright all these years, but he mm -hmm. said, your brother was on his back, and now, you know, he's turned over again when he could have died. You know, you need to you need to rejoice in that. And I think that's why, you know, you mentioned that with he restores my soul. And that's the beautiful thing about um, being a part of the body of Christ 
that, you know, first John, you know, mentions that he continues to cleanse because he's faithful and just if we continue to walk in the light with him. And I think, Caleb, this is another podcast for another day, but the blood of Christ, I don't think we give it enough credit of how powerful it really is. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes we think so much of what we did and what we used to do and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But we're like, man, there's no way, you know, the Lord can forgive me. There's no way. And that's exactly where Satan wants us. But yeah. that blood is, dude, it's so rich and it's so powerful. Right. And it, you can even read through the book of Isaiah. Um, and I did a sermon on this um, a few months back. It talks about, you know, what does God do with our sins? Um, and, and, you know, three different occasions he talks about what he does and how he puts the sins behind his back and how he sees them no more and how they're, they're, he covers his ears to them. I don't remember exactly the exact phrases, but we can look at those obviously in another day. Um, but it just shows you, yeah, the, the, the power of the blood of Jesus is, is powerful enough to wipe away all of your sins. And to, con- and, it, and to continually cleanse you. It's not just like a one-time thing. It continues yeah. uh, to cleanse you if you've confessed those sins before him. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. A lot of people discredit it. Um, and I think it shows a lack of, again, a lack of faith and trust in God that he's mm-hmm. going to carry through with what he said. And so many people think, you know, well, surely he can't forgive me for you know what I've done. Doesn't he know the things I've done in my past and, you know, this and that and the other. Um, but then you discredit God and the power that God has um, and what he's, what he's capable of doing. And and that's the beautiful thing about serving him, that he's always going to take care of us. Like we mentioned, the Lord is my shepherd. So again, I like to apologize to to the listeners for going so long, but again, this is just the beauty of, of speaking about the scriptures of literally how rich it, I I don't know how many times we've memorized this, read it over and over, preached on it, and we haven't even gone to the surface of right. the stuff that's in this right but you know i've i've enjoyed caleb you know in this part one there'll probably be what two more parts yeah, um, to this series um but again you know study this more read this more but also the thing that i think uh, that caleb and i wanted to get across to you all is make this song personal like david did because when you do that after you finish this study with us you'll understand man the lord does all this stuff for me Obviously, he does it for everyone else, too, but he cares like I'm the only one. And that's right. I think that's one of the messages that David wanted uh, to mention in, in Psalm chapter 23. Yeah, exactly. No, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. There's so much in this psalm um, to discuss. We could um, we could go on and on and on with this psalm. There's just so it's so rich and there's so much you can you can pull out of this psalm. And I think that all too often we just read over the six verses, memorize it and then move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, and it just I just I can only imagine the things that are in the other psalms, too, you know, <laughs> and it, there's just so much that you can gain from reading the word of God. So, you know, I, I encourage you as listeners. Study the word of God for yourself. You know, do word studies. Look at all these things and how, and you can see, I think you can see how all these things kind of relate to one another and how they flow with one another. It's not like they're just phrases thrown together and maybe they'll mesh, but they yeah. do mesh. They go together. And I think that shows you the, um, the, the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit in, you know, having these different writers and authors write these things and how it's all one coherent message. And so it's so important for us the Bible and I hope that you study for yourself on a daily basis and I'm glad that Caleb was on with us again today and again you can find Caleb uh, here on the next couple series of this of the Lord is my shepherd but also he has his own podcast uh, the transform podcast so you can uh, listen to him and I know his material is great on there 
um, as well. We appreciate you listeners again for studying with us and we look forward uh, to part two. Thank you all.